love LeBlanc coffee, you know? Especially when you're playing a game. Even though it's supposed to make you hyper, it's a nice little chilled out, relaxed experience. Kind of zen-like. Either way, this game review contains adult language, mature situations, Shin Megumi Tensai history, picaresque characters, references to the seven deadly sins, and spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Sparkin' Game Review, Persona 5. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sparkin' Game Review. I'm your host, Zan, saying konnichiwa, aloha, bonjourno, what's up? Yes, I know, it's been a while since we've done a game review. Things have been crazy, and especially because I haven't had a real game system since my Xbox 360 died. This game actually motivated me to get a PS4. Yes, I have one now. So if you want to add me, it's under xan underscore sparkn. Add me. Send me an email with your gamer tag and let's become friends on there. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Sparkin is some podcast and many reviews about connected enhanced narratives. Every episode we tell you about a different geek or pop culture property. It could be a game, it could be a concert, it could be a movie, it could be a manga, it could be even a convention. I tell you the pros and cons about it. What is worth checking out about it and what is worth ignoring about it. Now, you don't have to agree with anything I talk about or any of my co-hosts talk about, but I've heard we're a little entertaining and we are a little knowledgeable. We're going on nine years, so there's that. If you want to check out any of our earlier episodes, you can check us out on our website, www.spirekin.com. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on Snapchat. We're on Tumblr, even MySpace, and we have an iTunes account. If you want to do something nice for us, go to iTunes, leave us a star rating. It's a little bit like putting money in a tip jar. just gives us a little more motivation to keep going. Now, also, like I said, add me on PSN. We can game on different games. Right now, I'm playing through a second time in this game, then afterwards, I'm probably going to jump into Fallout, unless the Switch happens, and then, well, I'll be playing Zelda till the end of time. But I digress. So, we're here to talk about... A really cool game, and this is a really in-depth game, especially because of all the history behind it. Now, for those of you who don't know, we're talking about Persona 5, which is this RPG that was developed by Atlas for PS3, PS4, 
Personas. And this is the sixth installment of the Persona series, which is part of the whole Megumi Tensai series. It's actually the 20th anniversary. Well, last year was, 2016. And this is for that 20th anniversary. And the Megumi Tensai series has had a lot of different properties coming out. I mean, you had the main series, which is the digital demon story Megumi Tensai. You had the demon summoner Megumi Tensai. You had Nocturne. You had Apocalypse. And all these other series, even the If series, which was a spinoff. And technically, Catherine would be considered a spinoff of the Megumi Tensai series. But Persona is different because it is made of very unique style. For those of you who never played a Persona game, the whole premise is that you have a main character who has, through various situations, has to deal with their inner psyche, which comes out as a Persona. They deal with different... Well, they call them usually the social links, but they're like the confidence or your relationships with other characters. You have to deal with the social links. So essentially, the Persona series is a mixture of a grinder RPG series and a J-pop dating sim. And they merge perfectly together. Now, the original one, which came out in 96, which was Revelations Persona, that one was about a bunch of high school students who were fighting an outbreak of demons in their hometown. Then a few years later, you had Persona 2, Innocent Sin, where actually the first female character, which I thought was really cool. And this one was it's taking place in this town where there's this reality-altering rumor which is causing a weird phenomenon. Demons show up, and so he gets his own Persona. Ah. Then that was turned to Eternal Punishment. And that was with the main character being Maya, who is the first female main character. And that was actually really cool. So, from there, we had the game which I got into Persona from. Persona 3. This is the one that was on the PS2 that came out in 2007 in the US, 2006 in Japan. And this was cool because this was where you actually got into the fact of the Personas being something else. They're actually part of you. They're your inner self. They are you realizing what reality is and going past it because i know it's hard to explain but the real reason why people knew about persona 3 is the fact that in order to summon your persona your main characters took a gun put it to their head and they blew their brains out and well it wasn't really their brains but you see them they put the gun to their head shoot it out and then a persona would pop out which is really creepy but it's pretty cool and that was where it took place in this town of iwatodai and you had the seas group fighting these monsters who appeared during the dark hour and that was one of my favorite games. I thought it was one of the best RPGs out there. Then you had Persona 4. That one takes place in the Midnight Channel where you actually enter the TV and it's a weird TV world. And it was a little better than 2, but not as good as 3. And a lot of people like 4. I'm not a fan of 4 too much, but it was pretty different. I do like Persona Q, which is a spinoff, which is for the DS. And that one actually takes characters from 3 and 4 and they're working together so you can actually mix and match and some of the cooler characters from 4 like Naomi and Teddy can interact with the characters from 3. So for example you could have you Narukami interacting with Junpei or you could have Naomi interacting with Aegis and it worked really well. The other thing about 4 which was pretty cool is you did have a lot more of the different tarot cards designed and the designs for the opponents were a little bit better. I actually like Izanagi's design a little bit better than Orpheus, but Orpheus is my boy. He's from 3. So, either way. Now, we move on to Persona 
2005. The 20th anniversary game, and it is spectacular. The design of it is the best aspects of each of the prior games honed and made into the perfect section about it. From the music, the graphic design work, the animation, and let's even say it, the social links aspect and interacting with other players around the world. This game is the perfect Persona game, I think. I think it's actually one of the best RPGs of all time. It has the best parts of the dating sim aspect. It has the best parts of the grinding aspect. With one complaint, which I'll get to in a little bit if you listen to the spoiler section. But to got get not too spoilery. The whole premise of 5 is the player that you're playing, the actual characters, make you question the concept of justice itself. It's dealing with characters who are supposed to be considered villains being the heroes. And the heroes being the villains. You have the characters... The whole setup with 5 is you're actually playing Phantom Thieves. You're playing characters who are criminals. They're considered these wanted felons for doing these things which are considered terrible, but in reality they're actually helping people. It is, you're like Robin Hood. Stealing from the rich to, and giving it to the poor. But not that simple. You're doing a little more than that. You're stealing the hearts of these wicked individuals and making them pure again and fixing things in this world that things should be right, but they're not. That plus a subplot involving someone trying to take over the country. And you've got a game which is stellar. Now, I'm going to get more into the plot and the characters and some of the things I really enjoyed and really didn't like about the game in a moment. But beforehand, let me just get my review out of the way. This is a really, really, really fucking cool. If you don't play this now, your brain will freeze your eyes, will slope, and your soul will be forfeit to the... Worst game ever, E.T. This game is amazing. If you like playing RPGs, you're going to love this. If you like adventure games, you're going to love this. If you like a game which is going to have you doing stuff for a long period of time, you're going to love this. If you don't like a game which is going to take a lot of time, you may not like this. You may like a more casual game because this is a commitment. I put 95 hours before I beat it the first time. I totally am happy I beat it the first time. And I'm playing it again. It's that addictive. It is an addictive and fun game. And it is frustrating at times. I mean, the first time I died, I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> but then I was able to smile and laugh and get through it and work again and again to beat the hell out of the issue I had. And when I passed it, I was a better person for it and a better gamer for it. This game makes you work for it. And when you work for it, you earn it. So with that in mind, let's get into the actual premise and plot of the game. If you have casual knowledge or you don't care keep listening if you don't want to be spoiled check out our earlier episodes and any other episodes at spyrokin.com but so now the plot of persona 5 for those of you who don't know is that our main character opens up the game in spectacular fashion where he is in the middle of a heist it opens up in a truly anime cinematic view which is actually directed by studio ig and it's animated in such an amazing way 
and you see the camera showing up. You see everyone in this casino walking around, and then they look up, and the spotlight shows up, and in the rafters, running around it, our main character, Joker. And you have, over the loudspeaker, you hear all the other characters in his group talking, all the other Phantom Thieves saying, Hey, Joker, that looks awesome. It just looks so great. And you know we're going to meet at this location, right? Yeah, 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 I know. And it's him escaping from this heist. We don't know what happened, where it happened, but he's escaping, and he gets caught. And you find that there was a traitor in the group. And when you know the traitor's in the group, he gets arrested, beaten up, and then you get to name your character. Because it's you sign your confession. They kick your button, they make you sign, and then you write in your name. Then a main character shows up, and this character starts interviewing you, and you tell what happened. You discover that Joker, our main character, is a kid who is on probation for an incident which... He didn't do. He's framed for a crime he didn't do, and now he's on probation for a year. He's in a new school, and he has to deal with, one, having a parole officer who's his guardian who's like saying, look, you have to write in this book for me so I don't get in trouble and don't cause any problems and just try to skate through. You have a year to have no problems. And he has to deal with this, as well as the situations which occur naturally. He ends up getting involved in a situation with a corrupt teacher who's doing some really fucked up things. And he discovers this app on his phone which leads to an alternate world which they call palaces. Which is the underworld almost. It is the alternate world that most Persona games have. And in this world, he ends up getting involved in this situation where he's going to have to steal the heart of the individual who rules this palace to better themselves. This game combines the coolest parts about Persona, where it's, you have the alternate world, you have the way to get into the alternate world, like in 4 was TVs, and this one, it's a smartphone app, and you have the social media where everyone's texting with each other, I love that. And then you have how the Personas come about. Like I said earlier, in Persona 5, it was you take a gun to your head, you blow your head, and the, you put the gun to the head, shoot it, and then out comes the Persona. In this one, they're masks. And all the main characters have different masks that they have to pull off their face when they do their persona appears. Our main character can have multiple personas, and that's one of the fun parts of the game is collecting all the personas, even though it is a major fetch quest and chore at times. But you had each persona represents a different aspect, a different anti-hero, a picaresque hero. Now I used that term earlier, and that's a Spanish word for rogues. And it's a genre of books where you had that roguish character who's doing good, even though he's an anti-hero. Perfect example, like I said earlier, Robin Hood. Another one is Zorro or Captain Kidd or Arpin, Arsene Lupin from the old books from Maurice LeBlanc. Which, side note, LeBlanc shows up a lot in this game. And LeBlanc is the first one to write about, you know, the rogue characters. And he shows up as the name of a store. He shows up as a book writer in a book you have to read. And I thought that's a nice little callback to that. But I like that every single persona, the main ones, are all named after different antiheroes. Like our main character, when he pulls off his mask, he is his is Arson, and Arson looks like a gentleman thief. He has a top hat, he has a mask on, he has I think he has a bow tie, and he looks really just he looks demonic, but he looks very refined demonic, and our main character's costume is very refined it is a trench coat with the mask he looks like the classic rogue thief that you see in most anime manga 
or other interpretations of the Phantom Thieves, the Kaitos. Meanwhile, secondary character Ryuji, his is Captain Kid. Captain Kid looks, well, let's just say he Captain Kid is a pirate, so he's got the pirate arm. He looks really roguish, and Ryuji Skull looks like a hooligan. He's wearing the leather jacket. He's got the the spike. His weapon is a pipe. He looks like a, a super thug. Then you have Panther Anna. Hers is Carmen. Carmen, I'd actually look up, but Carmen is based on the play Carmen. She's a woman who was very, I don't give a shit about what men say. I'm very, take charge, and she kicked ass. And I like that her persona style is she's dressed up as a very beautiful woman who has two men that she's playing with. I like that. Very, you know, flamingo-esque. And then Panther's costume is she looks like Catwoman. Then you have, of course... Morgana, best character or worst character in the game, who is essentially the Navi of the game. She, he is the one who tells you what's going on, and he's the one who won't let you proceed after you beat a level until you level up the teacher. His is Zoro, a big manly, you know, looks like Zoro, and he's big and manly with a big mustache. I like that he has that. And whenever I saw him, I was like, oh my god, it's Zoro, and I just pictured the guitar going, ding, and it was pretty badass. I mean, you had the other characters. You had Goemon, the thief from the old games. You had Johanna, the biker, who that one I really had to look up because that was obscure. That was a character who worked for the Pope who was a thief. You know, it's Jin the Millie. The Necronomicon, that was just obscure HP Lovecraft garbage. The big one, though, which made me most happy, was Milady. That persona is based off of Lady... Lady de Winter from The Three Musketeers. Now, if you guys know from this podcast, I'm a huge Three Musketeers fan, so I'd love that nod to it. And then the other persona, Robin Hood. Well, it's Robin Hood. That's the the typical outlaw that is there and shows the different personalities from their original owners. And I like that this is them rebelling against whatever the issue is. It's them realizing that they need to rebel against the system. And this is their aspect of it. It's their alter ego. Now, the other thing about this game besides the Persona, speaking of which, the Velvet Room. For those of you who've never played Persona and you're still listening, the Velvet Room is where you you go to learn what's going on with the alternate world. It's usually there's a caretaker there who tells you what is going on, why you have to investigate yourself in the situation. Persona 3, Igor has the main character sign himself in. He signs a contract and he has to deal with the Velvet Room for its channel. This one, it's a little different because it's a prison. And your character's trying to seek rehabilitation. And I love that it is that focusing on that rehabilitation prisoner, you're going against the man mentality. I love that fact. And I also like that in order to fix the persona, to merge them, it's not the, oh, they're going to dance together. Oh, we're just going to use magic to merge them. No. They execute the persona and then they make the new one. I mean, the first time you see them, you see them use the guillotine you're like oh my god you're killing my persona i like that persona no and they make a new one you're like oh cool so you get used to it the only um there are different ways you could merge or change the persona you had the guillotine you had the gallows where you could hang them you had the electric chair you also had solitary confinement which i didn't use but i heard good things about it now the other thing about the velvet room which i really liked about it was that 
it just seemed a little more intriguing now that you had to have social links with not just Igor, but the assistants as well. And you usually have little things with the assistants. Oh, you have to talk to her. Oh, you have to interact with her. This was a little more like, oh, they tell you to do things and you have to do it because they are very bipolar. Because one is, I'm super sweet and nice. And the other one's, deal with it, maggot. <laughs> and I liked how that social link worked, even though it was really annoying. Because all the other social links, you could deal with it easily. That one is, okay, we want you to make this persona, which is insanely hard to make in the first 20 levels. And if you miss it, you can't get it because you have to do it before that you do this dungeon. So you had to do it through a second playthrough, but it was very advantageous because you had a lot of cool things for the upgrades, for the social links with that. Now, we've talked about some of the characters, about the design of them. We've talked about the Velt Room. The other thing that is very intriguing is the villains of the piece. They're all these adults who are corrupt in some sort of way. The first villain, Kamashiro, he is a volleyball coach for the school who is a pervert and a very cruel man i mean he beats his students and as they show in his palace he thinks of the school as his kingdom his castle now he's the king even though he looks very much like the main character from catherine where he's wearing the same boxers he doesn't have the horn so he has a crown instead but it has this dark feeling towards it it's just it's very twisted how you see how he sees himself and how all the other villains see themselves and eventually you realize that all the different villains are based on the seven deadly sins obviously the first one is lust a lust for power a lust for well the girls in his life a lust to be the best that he could be so the second one is someone who is he is prideful he wants the best that he can be and his servants are useless to him his students are just pieces that he uses to get to the point where he's at. There are steps to get to that point of ascension that he wants. And the third one is about greed. I like that you include the seven deadly sins in such a unique way. Even though they changed the name of one of them. Which makes it a little weird. But all the villains and the protagonists. They parallel each other because they're both essentially misfits that are trying to change the world as they see fit because they think it's corrupt or unsatisfactory. It's... You see that Kamashiro, he's someone who wants the best that he wants. He is the rule of the castle, and that is how he sees this world, and anyone who doesn't listen to him, who doesn't follow his plan, they'll be executed, but if they follow his plan, they will live. And... Meanwhile, our characters are trying to fix this world where you have these corruptions of this guy who's beating students and essentially rapes one of the students to the point where she wants to kill her. She does. She tries to kill herself. She jumps off the side of the building. She survives, but it is such a dark moment in this game. You're like, what the hell? Why would you do this? And that also leads to a, a situation later on when we get to the romance system, but the game really tries to make this... Well, it makes this feeling of ambiguity about the Phantom Thieves because it makes you wonder if the Phantom Thieves' justice is right. If what they're doing, because they are criminals, you know, they're breaking into these secure facilities, which is the heart of the, the person. They're stealing their treasure, which makes them evil. But is what they're doing right? Should they just let the adults take care of this? Should they just bow down and just hope that things will get better? It adds another layer to this game, which... This game, which already is so layered, makes it a lot more cool. 
a lot more in-depth and so much more intriguing and so much more engaging and it just absorbs you in. Now, now one of the controversial things about the game is, as I said, Kamashiro, he is a teacher who he... Well, let's be honest right now. He rapes one of the students to do things. And he's, you know, it's a it's very frowned upon that, you know, it's a male teacher and a female student and horrible things are happening. However, one of the social links you're able to get and one of the characters you're able to romance is your homeroom teacher. So it is a boy romancing a, a woman who's 30 years old. It's very, I don't want to say it's hypocritical, but it's just something that seems a little weird. I mean, the other character you can romance is the Doctor, and the Doctor's also in her 30s, so it's a little like, wait a minute, you say over here, this is bad, but then over there you go, this is good. So it, it, it gives you a little bit of a mixed message right there. But it's they're not as evil or as screwed up as Mink, as Kamashiro, because Kamashiro is a piece of shit. He is a horrific human being. He does some horrific things, and like I said, he beats his students, he rapes one of them, he is truly cruel. And that's not in the, the palace world. That's in real life. He does that. He actually beats his students and he, the main character discovers all the horrible things he does. Like Ryuji skull second character. You found out that Kamashiro broke his leg and he was a runner because he didn't get with the program. So pretty messed up, but the dating system Besides those, it's actually very intriguing. You have a lot of various different characters. You have Anna, who is the blonde-haired, blue-eyed model, the Gaijin model. You have Makoto, who is the rule Nazi, who's, you know, she's the rule-bending, but she's the boss. She is, as her alternate persona, the queen. You know, she's the boss. You have Futaba, who is the youngest character. She's like a year younger than you, so she's like... An, Instead of 17, she's 16, so that's not that terrible. But she is like the little sister Hikikomori character. You have uh, Haru, who is the rich girl, who is very shy, very sheltered. You have the magic, well, the she's the seer. You have the doctor, and you have a couple other interesting characters you can romance and deal with. I mean... The system, the social network system isn't just for romancing, though. It's also for interacting with other characters. Like, there's a gun guy. The guy who sells your guns in the game. He is an ex-Yakuza who you have to deal with him and his son. And it's a whole interesting arc. And it's just really badass. You're like, okay, cool. You're making buddy-buddy with the Yakuza guy. Or Mashima, who is the guy who runs the conspiracy fan site that's following the capers of your Phantom Thieves. And he is kind of timid, but he's also kind of crazy. Because he's like, yeah, I'm living vicariously through the Phantom Thieves, and I'm the best I can be. But you don't have to fix me because I'm not bad, but I am bad. But gets a little, what the hell. So you have this interesting dichotomy of the of character. and Not dichotomy. You have a very interesting set of characters to deal with in this game. So... Now, besides that, besides all the characters and all that, the game itself is well done. The design of the game is red, as opposed to Persona's blue blue from 3 or the yellow from 4. 
it's got a great font style, which everyone's been trying to find. It's almost the ransom style where each letter is a different letter cut out from a newspaper. So it looks kind of cool. You have that going on. You also have the various designs of Mementos, the dungeon, the unlimited dungeon, where it gets more and more screwed up as you go down. Eventually you discover why it looks so screwed up when you hit the rock bottom. And I wish it kept going on forever, but it looks truly horrific. And I love that all the designs are different. All the dungeons have very unique styles because they're all inner palaces with what you view the world as. For example, one character in real life is a police officer and their view of the world is that it's all a game. So it's a casino where everything is rigged because the world's against you and you're never going to win unless you rig the game itself. Or you have the crime boss who the world is a, his palace is a bank. I have all my money, everything protected in the very center in the bottom of my bank. No one can touch it if it's in the middle of the vault. And they're all very just inspired and different and unique now few complaints about the game are well one you have the issue that a lot of persona games have which is you have to choose between the social links or the dungeon they give you because it's following a, a calendar so you have various amount of days to do things you have deadlines when eventually it gets the phantom thieves parts okay you have to release the phantom thief note by this day or else you're gonna lose the game they give you time but they also want you to work on these social links have you interacting people and you have to make a choice between them and they make it so that you can't do everything every day and while that is very good it's limiting it's annoying when you go through a dungeon and then it's like i have time i can watch tv i could no you want to go to sleep morgana's like oh shouldn't you go to bed you're tired aren't you and it's like no i want to stay up they give you a perk at the end of the game, which allows you to circumvent that so you can do other things, but it is too little too late. They should have given that option a lot earlier. That is one of the few complaints I have with the game is that they give you that option way too late. Other annoying thing, well, there's no glitches so far. I've pl played it straight through. There's no glitches. It is, for the most part, difficult, but it's not ungodly hard, but there is a lot of grinding going on. And I wish that it was a lot easier with the acquiring personas because that is very difficult. Now, speaking of that, something I didn't bring up was the negotiation system, something new that they brought to the persona universe. And I love the fact that they did this. They said it was inspired by all the movies and games where you had the bad guy pointing a gun at the good guys and they make a demand and you have to do it. And that's what you do. You hold up your adversary and you tell them, give me an item or give me money or come help me. And they can choose to do it or not depending on how you interact with them. And I love that fact. It was something I would do every single time. If I, unless they did not let me do it, I ended up negotiating every single time I would find out what it would take to get them to fall down and so I can hold them up and I do it every single time true it is breaking the game like there's no tomorrow because it's because when you do that you win it automatically and it becomes very I know he's weak to electricity so I'm gonna use electricity kick his ass I know he's weak to this 
So I'm going to use that. I'm going to kick his ass and take his money. And you did it over and over again. Made the game a little easier, harder to level up, but it was a nice element to it where you have to negotiate and you're essentially holding up the the bad guy. So like, hey, you're going to listen to me or I'm going to kick your butt. So that is a great element to the game and I wish that other games would do that. Hopefully the next Persona game does do that. The other thing I'm going to have to say about this game is something which is pretty simple but actually very cool. I love the fact that you have a bunch of characters who are looking for the place in life, in society, in things in general, in their environments, and they find themselves coming together in such a unique way. They become a family because they find each other, and I love that they capitalize on that and they show that. That this group starts off as just a bunch of misfits who don't understand how society works and they come together. Even when they're adversaries at some points, they end up negotiating with each other and they become stronger together than they are apart. This is the way an origin story should go and this is the way that a group should get together. I feel that this is one of the best stylized games that is out there right now. I think that this is what they need to do to invigorate this property and it works so well that you have this game which you wouldn't think would work because it seems very shonen manga-esque because it is oh you're playing a kaito thief who's gonna steal something and they make it better they take that persona spin and they make it into something which is you're not just stealing an item you're stealing the hearts of these villains to better the world and you do and i'm not gonna spoil anything about the later parts of the game but that final level you are realizing what's going on in this world and how you played the game affects this world when everything that's going on when things do go to hell and that last part is amazing i do wish you could get that persona that last persona and use him in the game earlier on because apparently to get him you have to do a bunch of stuff and slight spoilers but the game works i cannot say anything else but play persona 5 You'll love it. I guarantee it. So with that in mind, remember you can check out any of our earlier episodes at www.spirekin.com. You can email us at at gmail.com. I'm at zanspirekin.com. We are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, MySpace, iTunes, and all those other lovely social media sites. You can find that all on the social networks and on the post at spirekin.com. The random question for the day is, if you had to pick a PKRS character to represent your persona, who would you pick? I'm curious to know. Leave a comment on the on the post or email me, zansparkin.com, X-A-N at Sparkin.com. Now, what is going to happen with the next Sparkin game review? Well, we're actually going to be doing a new one because even though I'm going to be a little late, I'm going to be doing a review of Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild once they become available. I've been looking everywhere for a Switch and I can't find it anywhere. Eventually I will find it and buy it. I'm not spending $300 on, well, any eBay site or online store to purchase it for triple the amount. So I'm going to find it for a decent amount and I'll buy it. Then I'll review it. And I'll tell you what I think about the Switch. Because hopefully they fix it by then. Also, we're going to be reviewing a couple of other things as well. Because I've been playing a lot of tabletop games. Not RPGs, actual games like Dead Fellas, Joking Hazards. And we're reviewing a couple of those in time. We might do some video reviews about that. But we're moving forward with the game review. And also the book review, movie review, my review. They're still coming out.
we got a lot of great things coming out and I'm excited for what's coming in the future. So with that in mind, remember, thank you for listening to this podcast. And as usual, I'm your host, Zan, for Spark and Mongerview. I am gone. I'll catch you guys next time. See you.